1: This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer.
0: Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. It's a throwback. <laughs> we had uh, the Chinese communists, the red communist balloon over our fair country for the last week until it was shot down on Saturday. So it uh, apparently entered American airspace, as we understand it, uh, a week ago Saturday, the 28th. And according to the big guy, Mr. Ten Percent, that would be President Biden. He gave the order Wednesday to shoot it down whenever yeah. it was appropriate to do
2: so. Briefed on the balloon, I ordered the Pentagon to shoot it down okay. on Wednesday as soon as possible. They decided, without doing damage to anyone on on the ground, they decided that the best time to do that was if it got over water outside within our within 12 mile limit. They successfully took it down, and I want to compliment our aviators who did it. And we'll have more to report on this uh, a little later. Thank you. What did you say about China?
3: China what message to China?
4: You were saying the recommendation from your, was from your
2: national security. I told them to shoot you I down. Told I them. did. Was but the recommendation they from said to them. me, let's wait till the safest place to do it. Mm-hmm. Well,
5: Wednesday, Dan, that was a long time ago. We didn't know about it until, what, Friday morning, Thursday, so they, real late.
0: So they scrambled an F 22 Raptor, uh, which can operate above 500,000. Feet, uh, and uh, the, the satellite was six, 60,000 feet uh, above sea level, um, and uh, fired was... off a sidewinder, and that's that. And this this whole thing just blows over, right? Three one two six four two fifty six hundred turnkey dot Pro Answer Line six four six three six D A turnkey dot well, Text Line.
5: Well, texters, excuse, yeah, you could also yeah text us too, but also spectators that were in Myrtle Beach when it was shot down were uh, just cheering for the U.S. military.
2: Yeah. Oh.
0: Yeah.
5: No, just wait for it. This lady's hysterical.
6: That's my Air Force right there, buddy.
0: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's my Air Force right there, buddy. Oh, you uh-huh. got to love Myrtle Beach. Have you been to Myrtle Beach? Hold my beer. Myrtle Beach. Uh love yeah, it. so it was a fun couple of days uh, of uh, all the creativity online in the form of memes. But uh, the question is, and we'll talk to Jim Carafano, the tenor of Jim Carafano at the seven o'clock hour, more about this. But uh, no big deal; uh, it just blows over. Uh, the fact that uh, there was this ChaiCom Intel operation that, in an unprecedented way—at least that's what former Trump officials are saying—violated uh, international law, yep. breached U.S. sovereignty. No big deal. The big guy took care of it, right? That's not what former DNI John Radcliffe was saying yesterday on Maria Bartiroma's show.
7: Uh, this past week, unfortunately, uh, the People's Republic of China executed an incredibly successful intelligence operation uh, over uh, the mainland of the United States. And conversely, um, the Biden administration uh, committed an uh, unprecedented uh, national security blunder of incalculable damage. Um, and, and I say that, Maria. Because we know, um, uh, you know, the facts are very clear that um, America's number one adversary, the People's Republic of China, uh, maneuvered a spy craft into U.S. airspace uh, a week ago on Saturday, January 28th. And it didn't leave U.S. airspace until a week later, Saturday, February 4th. And except for the time that it was over Canada, it spent um, at least four days, at least 100 hours continuously over the continental of the United States, uh, uh, in an intelligence operation um, again of incalculable damage, violating uh u s sovereignty uh of our of our airspace and our territorial borders in an unprecedented way that i 'm not aware has ever happened in our history uh Maria and the Biden administration let that happen
0: mm-hmm. and uh the pushback or the spin, if you will, coming from the Pentagon oh yeah, this administration is oh, no, no, this is not the first time. Mm-hmm. It's happened three times before, and uh, the Trump administration just didn't disclose it to anybody. Radcliffe was asked about that. He was the nation's top spy for a time during President Trump's administration.
7: Well, it's not true. I can I can refute it. Um, uh, former Secretary of Defense uh, Mark Esper refuted it yesterday. Sec- former Secretary of State and CIA Director Mike Pompeo has refuted it. But, Maria, the American people can refute it for themselves. Um, uh, uh, do you remember during the Trump administration when uh, photographers on the ground and commercial airline pilots were talking about uh, a spy balloon over the United States uh, that people could look up and see even with the, with the naked eye and that a media that hated Donald Trump wasn't reporting? I don't remember that either because it didn't happen. As I said to you earlier, this was unprecedented. We have never had a circumstance where an adversary has had spy craft over our country, our continental United States, posing a threat for the better part of a week straight. So you're
5: telling me they everybody lied. NBC has been lying for the last three days. They kept uh, saying that this was, you know, this happened three times during the Trump administration.
0: You just heard from yeah. John Ratcliffe. Okay. I'll let uh, him speak for himself. Uh, also, former chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Mike Mullen. He was on this week with Jonathan Carl basically saying the same thing uh
8: to my knowledge it's the first time uh, you know i've seen anything come over the country like this there's no question and obviously you can't hide it so i th- this was not an accident this was deliberate it was intelligence you know and we need to do two things we need to sort out all the details of that more importantly we need to make sure we can get this relationship moving in the right direction
0: yeah while well, the relationship uh, not moving in the right direction now to save face anthony blinken needed a Cancel his trip to Beijing because the time's oh, yeah. not right to have bilateral talks when you've got uh, this uh, spy balloon over uh, the United States. The the <laughs> the response from the Pentagon. There was that press briefing that uh, the press secretary for uh, the Air Force, Brigadier General Pat Ryder, that? gave. Oh. Uh, he was asked by, he's like, we know the balloon has violated the airspace. We're monitoring the balloon, watching the balloon. Look, there's the balloon. Uh, we're <laughs> assessing the balloon. It's, look, it's still there. It's a, now, now, it's, now it's now it's at Kansas. Yeah, now it's now moving it's to the eastern seaboard. Yeah. Um, the reporter asked him, is the position of the balloon classified? And he said, we're, we're not going to get into an hour-by-hour hour location of the balloon. Right now it's over the center of the continental United States. That's about as specific as I'm going to. And the reporter said, Does the public not have the right to know if a balloon is over their state? Well, but not to mention you look up and see it. Right. Or somebody if it's sees clear it. Skies, yeah. Look, here's the balloon. Wait,
5: look, it's coming on. And it's the size, it was the size of three school buses, solar powered, and it had a metal fin to maneuver it. Uh, you know, so it's, and uh, many cameras on it. And that's, uh, again, the reason why they didn't shoot it down over the mainland. They waited till it was over the ocean. But uh, I don't feel safe. Who feels like, who's manning the store? Who's watching the shop? I, our security's at risk. And nobody cared. And China, they still maintain that it was a civilian aircraft.
0: Tony, they, Downers Grove, here on Chicago's Morning Answer. Oh, uh, you know what? This, this fool, Chauncey the gardener, who gets away with this stuff, where they, they wind them up and they send them out there every so often with calculated things to say, and then he's arrogant on top of it. But, but Amy, I can't believe that you said, do, do you think the news media was lying all this time? I, after I, the last after the last eight to 12 years, you're going to ask I, that I know. question? I know. I'm I mean, a fool. We're just, I'm a fool. Well, we're just not that. We're, 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 the American people, were really not that stupid. But this administration and the and Obama's administration, they've been away with this crap for years. You know Tony, what? Tony, it's, the, it's, the, it's, the, the big guy ordered the code red. That's all you need to know. Oh, shut it down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Right. Well, he's Humpty Dumpty on a wall. That's the wall he's on. He's Humpty nice. Dumpty. And this is, uh, you know, it's, it's all getting exposed and it'll to continue to get exposed unintentionally, I think, but it's going to happen. So we, we just need to keep waking up. Thanks, Tony. Yeah, he uh, makes a good point.
5: I mean, if this really did happen, now that I'm thinking about it during the Trump administration, it, it would, the, the left would have blown this out of the water. I mean, they would have been all over it.
0: Chuck and media. Dullivan. Hey, this is the same government
4: that wouldn't shoot the Chinese plane down because they were scared it was going to hurt the people. But it's
9: the
3: same government that had no problem with poking holes in people's arms for, uh, an experiment, gene therapy for a Chinese virus. This here was a test run for the electromagnetic pulse. That's what this was. They're going to do this. That's what this was. And, uh, Hey,
0: thanks, everybody, from Illinois for coming up to Lake Geneva this weekend, too. Thank oh, yeah. you. Thanks,
10: Chuck. Yeah. Bob, Buffalo Grove. Uh, good morning, uh, Dan and Amy. Thanks for taking my call. Always good talking to you. Two questions. One is I've been getting all kinds of pictures this weekend on the balloon. Uh, for your listeners, be careful what you post. Uh, one of my friends posted one with uh, Hunter, and he got put in Facebook jail. Oh, uh, all so- right. The
0: meme wars, yeah. you know, we got it. I yeah. I actually was so inspired by Hunter's blowout and uh, blow art and all the memes <laughs> uh-huh. going on. I I I cobbled together one myself. Say what I did. If you have to describe it, it's probably not that good, but you know, my first try. I put uh, you know Pennywise from the It franchise. Yes. Put she's head on Pennywise the clown, and then the spy balloon with the red balloon, and then the cat. The uh, caption was, "Joey, you want a balloon?" Because <laughs> you know, remember, he used Georgie, you want a balloon, to lure that's right. To lure Sweet. kids. And so that's how the Tricoms are luring oh. Mr. 10%, you see?
5: What if they're dropping another so, COVID variant on us?
0: Yeah, okay. Mm. Second uh, I, question. All right, Bob. Uh, second question. Um, the
10: disparity on Sundays in the morning news between the way the Republicans handled it and the Democratic. And, uh, the Republicans wanted that thing, shut down when it entered, or in uh, Montana, the Democrats said, let us fly over the country. We don't want to hurt anybody. You know, we're, we're so scared that stuff's going to fall down and, and people in uh, Montana, where it's empty. So well, uh, we got to let it go into the ocean. So that was interesting. The, the, again, the usual disparity between Republicans and Democrats on how this whole issue was handled.
0: Thanks for the call, Bob. It's like
1: a hot, steaming cup of information to start your day. It's Chicago's Morning Answer. An AM 560, the answer.
11: Hey, business owners, is your business and money in good hands? Does your bank invest in your success? Hi, Mike Gallagher here, letting you know that when you need a relationship bank, Signature Bank makes commercial banking personal. I love these guys. Not only do they have expansive industry experience, a strong financial track record, but they're also highly capitalized for strategic growth. That's so important. That's why Signature Bank is my bank. They know what it means to grow a business by designing solutions that are right for you and only you. These are real people. They're ready to help. So reach out to my friends at Signature Bank. Make the call today, 773-467-5630, 773-467-5630, or visit them online at SignatureBank.Bank. That's SignatureBank.Bank. Your business could be Signature Bank's next success story. Go online, SignatureBank.Bank, member FDIC. Equal housing lender, signature bank.
0: Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. We'll be talking more about uh, the Chi Com's Luft balloon a little bit later in the program.
5: See, I like this better than 99 Luft balloons. Ready? This
0: music. This music. Oh. Like...
5: I'm a little older than you, son.
0: Seriously, like terrible <laughs> 70s. It's uh, Dimensions? That? It reminds me of that show. What was that show that began with the fireworks display? Um, oh. Right. Of course, you, well.
5: I'm going to remember.
0: Of, no, oh, shocking. <laughs> I'm shocking.
5: Well, you can't remember either. American something. Oh, American.
0: Um. Oh, you're not going to remember. You're, you're pretending uh, like American, I gave you a word. You're no, gonna no, no, no. American...
5: The not, movie the sitcom not not in the 70s. No, no. It started I'm with see. fireworks?
0: Yes. No. What <sighs> movie are you talking about?
7: No, not a movie. movie. It's it a series. Succumbed. It's a like series. a series about?
5: Oh, it, was, it started out with fireworks as American Grandstand? No.
0: American Not grandstand. American Bandstand.
5: Um...
0: Love American Style? Love yeah. American Style, that's it. Thank you, Mike. All right. 1960s. Was it 60s? Yeah. I don't know the difference. I was a... Uh, you know, as Bill Bixby. Bill Bixby, by <laughs> Bill the way,
7: Bixby. who turned into the Incredible, the incredible Hulk, Hulk later on. Yeah, yeah. Oh,
5: wasn't he in the courtship of, of, of Eddie's father? No,
1: too? courtship of Eddie's father. That's what, that's what, that's he, what he was in. Thank well, Bill
0: right. Bixby was in. Maybe he, he was in Love American Style. He was the Incredible so. Hulk. He, he was. was. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, he was seeing Bill Bixby was in Love America, Style or he's not. Yeah, I don't think he was. I think he oh. was in uh, Courtship of Eddie's Father. I could sing.
5: I can sing the theme song. No, I can. I can sing it. Love American Style.
0: No, you can't sing it, apparently. (laughs) Be nice.
5: I'm just warming up.
0: Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, All right. So anyway, um, getting back to the topic at order here. You know, uh, before we get into Chicago, because this has applicability, one way you can move migrants out of your city that you don't want in your city, and that's essentially what all these big dem socialists, big city dem socialist mayors are saying, we don't want you here, a la the Martha's Vineyard. Elites, thank you so much for coming, now leave. Um, you just have them experience your city. Then they leave voluntarily. Migrants are taking free bus rides from New York City to Canada for a better quality of life. <laughs> Not kidding. <laughs> this
12: New is York Post from the reporting. Onion. Oh, New York. New oh, York okay. Post
0: reporting. No, no, no. And <laughs> they have, it's like, we're going somewhere where it's nicer and safer. Yeah. Exactly. That's coming from, you know, people from war-torn San Salvador, Minagua. I mean, it's just remarkable, but it's – and it's a sad commentary. And, oh, by the way, they're not the only ones because people who have really experienced New York are leaving too. You may remember because this story went viral, and it was a post story. About a year ago, um, a mom fought off a creep who sucker punched her four-year-old son in Times Square. The, the, the front page was Mama Bear, and it showed her fighting off this, this animal that, her, that hit her son. Well, she is now fleeing with her family. A year after the horrifying Fe- February 17th attack on her son, Angel, Raffaella Rivera and her husband, Federico, uh, taking their three kids and their red Toyota Scion and heading south to calmer environs in the Myrtle Beach, South Carolina area as long as you just got to watch for falling balloon debris. But other than that, uh, it's a relief. Everyone is angry in New York. The atmosphere, everybody has to be on their toes. It was the punch, and every day waking up, hearing about shootings, killings, it became too much. And it's got a profile of her family. It's a very nice little family, and good for her. Good for her. And the migrants fleeing to Canada for a better quality of life. What a commentary on our big cities. Well, one of the reasons it's so, as... Miss Riviera was essentially intimating we know all too well in Chicago is because you turn the city over to repeat violent offenders how many times can it be said not too many we've got uh, three weeks before an election may inform your choice a good piece by Matt Rosenberg our friend over at wirepoints wirepoints.org the uh, arrest rates for violent crime in 2022 in Chicago what Now these are arrest rates, not conviction rates. Okay. But so there's just the police uh, on the job. So for homicide, the arrest rate in 2022, 28%. The arrest rate for aggravated battery, 16% of cases. Uh, Every other category is in single digits. Criminal sexual assault, 3% arrest rate. Robbery, 5%. Burglary, 4%. Theft, 4%. Motor vehicle theft, also commonly known as carjackings, 3%.
5: That's it? Wow. Well, there's not enough police officers to make these arrests.
0: Um, but That's part of it.
5: Or are they I mean, their hands are tied. They can't do police chases. They can't do foot chases. Um, they're afraid if they make a mistake or something happens, they'll not only lose their job and their pension, but go to jail because lightfoot doesn't have their back
0: we had a conversation with a police officer on friday who left and this to me would be like breaking news you think this would be relevant in the context of a mayor's race but i guess if nobody wants to pick it up certainly the chicago press corps wouldn't be so uh imprudent as to ask the question because they're a party to the violence Chicago Press Corps has blood on their hands. Party to the Violence, all the major media outlets in Chicago. Uh, This officer who left for Suburban Department, for all the obvious reasons, then just decided that, you know, farm living wasn't for him. He wants to come back to Chicago. He had five years in the force. He's got 106 other officers who part of this contingent of former CPD who left for the suburbs, want to come back to the city because that's just the kind of police environment they want, even with all the political problems and violence. And and so you know, their safety much more at risk there than in most, most of the suburbs, not all, but most. Um, and there's been a rehire agreement that was apparently negotiated by FOP to bring these experienced Chicago police officers back on the force, even as the city is struggling to find anybody who wants to go to the academy and potentially be hired, and all these candidates are running around saying how many new police they're going to hire if they're elected. 106 officers who are experienced, want to come back to the city, rehire agreement, hammered out. It's been sitting on Mayor Triple Threat's desk for two months, he said.
5: And you'd think that that would make the news.
0: You'd think somebody would be asked about it, like starting with the mayor. You'd think that, you'd be wrong.
5: Well, most of these reporters, too, they don't live in the city. I can name a few. They don't care. They they do their job and then they leave and they go back to their safe homes in the suburbs.
0: Another reason you see those, well, that's true, of course. Another reason you see um, those numbers, those arrest numbers. Yeah. Let me just, the cases, the cases that we tell you about routinely that CWB Chicago reports on. Routinely. Every day there's a new case study that helps to make it concrete as opposed to just, you know, abstract data. Here's one. Cook County judge sentenced a Chicago man to a 21 year sentence for robbing a convenience store at gunpoint while he was on electronic monitoring for allegedly robbing another store. Well, there you go. The robbing. uh, He was on electronic monitoring for robbing another store there. Therein lies the problem, doesn't it? Of course, he's going to, you know, 50% off if, if for good behavior, so it's not really a 21-year sentence, even though that's a stiff sentence for robbery, but maybe not for a repeat offender who's on electronic monitoring. By the way, something else here, he uh, put aluminum foil over his ankle bracelet what? so as not to be detected leaving his place to go rob this convenience store. Is that all it takes? That's it.
5: I had no idea it was so easy.
0: I don't know either, but that's the reporting on it. Uh, He um, also will get time served for the, I guess, the 400. He gets credit. I should say not time served, but he gets credit for the 425 days spent in jail before pleading. So he spent a year and four months in jail. Awaiting trial, and then ultimately cutting, uh, cutting a deal, I guess, in which he was sentenced to 21 years with all those caveats I mentioned. Oh, that's interesting, huh? A year and a month in jail before pleading. Really? Huh.
5: Wonder how many crimes he committed.
0: Um. Well, well, he was in jail.
5: Oh, in jail. I'm sorry.
0: So, so I'm then, thinking. so what? What's the? Why is that interesting to me? Oh, because I was paying attention last year when the Safety Act was passed, and then I was paying attention after the election when the Safety Act was amended, even though we spent a year being ridiculed that no amendment no amendments were needed, this was good law, it was going to make people safer it was going to make the system more equitable, and the only people that were critical of it were fear mongers and racists like me. so I remember all that do you does anybody? Anybody else? Anybody else want to chime in on that? Four hundred twenty-five days. Four hundred twenty. Why is that? Four hundred twenty-five days in jail before he his case was adjudicated. Why? Why would that be? Huh? Was it interesting? Oh. Oh, right. Right. Because part of the Safety Act is a uh, maximum ninety-day pretrial detention, and that got slightly amended. Where prosecutors uh, can uh, obtain continuances with good cause requested by prosecutors at judicial discretion. Well, I don't know. You know, Cook County is full of Democrat judges who are appointed by Democrat Pauls, and it's not the not even though hardly a defender of Madigan and Burke and the like. It's not really them so much anymore as they're out, aren't they? So what's the modern Democrat Socialist Party look like is who who's making those calls these days? And what kind of disposition will many of those judges have to prosecutors, given Kim Fox, if Kim Fox and her people even would seek continuances in good faith to uh, provide more time to bring good cases to secure convictions against violent criminals. Oh, right, I remember that. 90 days. He was in for 425. So that's another case of foreshadowing for what is to come pending the Supreme Court's decision on the Safety Act, which is anticipated this spring. the Constitutionality of it. So single digits and most categories of violent crime in terms of arrests don't even not even getting to the clearance rates yet convictions uh barely more than one in four on murders so i guess you can understand why criminals roll the dice and why they why they can roll the dice again and again and again because they're turned out on electronic monitoring sometimes just released on other times the disposition the attitude of the political cl- ruling class in Chicago and Cook County and Illinois, as illustrated by the 1.0 version of the Safety Act, is what: no bail, no cash right. bail, turn them right out, turn them right out. You're on a 90-day clock to get them to trial. If you can't get them to trial, then they go out uh, pending trial, and they're left to do with they're left to their own devices. These are people who can continue to do the same things and continue to get the same pass by the criminal justice system. So yeah, all the problems with policing, but it's really the other side of the criminal justice system that produces those dismal numbers in terms of arrests when it comes to violent crimes, like serious quality. They're all every crime is a quality of life crime, but these are serious potentially life altering traumatic violent crimes single digits top out at barely more than one in four for capital offense for murder and you wonder why mama bears from new york to chicago are leaving for places like south carolina and florida oh and by the way the problem in terms of the prospect of turning it around the good news bad news depends on which side of this uh uh, U-Haul trip you're on. But for those who think, oh, I'm worried about all these people fleeing and they're going to turn Texas into California and they're going to turn Florida into New York, the vice chair of the uh, Florida Republican Party, yeah, only 17,000 of the net 1 million that have ro- moved to the state of Florida registered Democrat, Seventeen thousand of 1 million no no these are as i've said from the beginning and as we saw with the midterms these are red states getting redder and bigger mm-hmm. and blue states getting bluer and smaller those are the actual trend lines
5: yeah but it still makes me mad that those 17,000 registered as democrats cuz they fled their their blue state and, and, and are taking advantages of th- freedoms in a red state, and they're, they don't care. They should yeah. be more grateful. I Personally, that's just my—
0: I'm really appreciative of those who are intellectually consistent, those okay. uh, new Marxists who are intellectually consistent and in staying in their state. They're last to the mass in Illinois and New York and California and Connecticut. Great. Good. Let me know how it goes. Well, Dan and Amy, Chicago's Morning Answer. It's like a hot
1: steaming cup of information. Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer.
0: Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. On a a very special episode of the Disney Plus Cartoon Proud Family, The scene in the episode a group of BIPOC girls, like, you know, girl band style, performing at a school function, sort of a poetry slam ish type performance. You
5: know, like a talent show kind of, too.
0: Take a listen.
13: This country was built on slavery, which means slaves, slaves built this country. Tilled this land from sea to sea to sea. First it was rice, tobacco, sugar cane. Then Whitney did his thing and cotton became king. And we were its soldiers. Four million, million strong. Fighting for America's freedoms, even though we remained America's slaves. slaves. Built this country. The descendants of slaves continue to this slaves built this country. And we, the descendants of slaves in America, have earned reparations for their suffering. And continue to earn reparations every moment we spend, submerged in the systemic prejudice, racism, and white, white supremacy, supremacy. That America was founded with and still has not atoned for. Slaves built, built this country. Not only field hands, but carpenters, masons, blacksmiths, musicians, inventors built cities from Jamestown to New Orleans, to better. Washington 40 acres and a mule We'll take the 40 acres Keep the mule we, we made, made our your family rich. rich From the southern plantation heirs To the northern bankers To the New England ship owners The founding fathers the illuminati the new world order slaves, slaves built this country. country we had tubman turner frederick d Didn't they say lincoln freed the slaves but slaves were meant and, and women. women and only we can free ourselves emancipation, emancipation is not freedom. freedom jim crow segregation redlining public schools feeding private prisons where we become slaves again as we celebrate juneteenth for, for the, the umpteenth time. time our account is still outstanding because this country Built on slavery, which means Slave slaves built this country and we demand our forty acres and a mule. Someday, you can keep the mule. Keep the forty. We're taking our freedom. Three
0: yeah. one two six four two fifty six hundred turnkey 5600 pro answer line. Six four six three six DA Turnkey pro text line. That's uh, fun viewing for the <sighs> the young ones, isn't it? That's a Disney Plus cartoon again, so it's for kids. Uh, Yeah. What do you think?
5: When I saw it, I I watched it a few few times, and, uh, I mean, they're really pushing their narrative. They're really trying to brainwash kids, young black kids, you know, to be victims and to demand, you know, they don't want the mule or the 48. They want reparations. That's what they want. I know. I I don't know who let this slip by, but obviously, you know what I. Why would I be surprised anymore? The media lies all the time. What did you think of it?
0: I let it slip by. Um, this was an that. accident. So this uh, was an oversight on somebody's part.
5: That's the first thing I thought of when we I don't. Saw it. I'm just we, so we don't
0: thing. know anything about Disney. We're just learning about Disney's programming. Just learning about. Uh, the attitude of TV execs in trying to exploit race the same way that the high priestesses of the race hustle like Ibram Kendi. And Ta-Nehisi Coates, who I haven't heard from in a while, but he certainly qualifies. The first one to rise to prominence uh, before your uh, Henry Rogerses and your Robin D'Angelos and others came along. Ta-Nehisi Coates was on with that pandering Ninny and Rachel Maddow lookalike, Chris Hayes. Maybe it was Maddow. I don't know. I cannot tell the two apart on MSNBC. And they're talking about not the Disney cartoon, but this is ubiquitous in culture. That sort of rap that you just heard, including the – from their perspective – Righteous indignation, the the righteous rage. For kids, uh, K through twelve education as well. And so, this was a, you know, an extended talk by Coates because, of course, uh, Chris Hayes slash Rachel Maddow, whichever one it was, just uh, over the moon to be in. Ta-Nehisi Coates' presence.
5: Oh, boy. Did you get a tingle up the leg?
0: So the DeSantis pushback on the AP's African-American studies course. The DeSantis pushback on CRT instruction in the classroom, critical race theory. And and it's not even just instruction or introduction. It is the indoctrination piece, the way that it's presented as like it was received on tablets from – on high, that's the way. And so you have, but but I mean, these are sophisticated hustlers. They know what they're doing, mm-hmm. and they know what the criticism is going to be. So they ha- ac- actually have to mouth some of the words that allow them to be dismissive of the criticisms without being specific. I'll give me an example. Coates, who teaches at Howard when he's uh you know, not cashing in, making speeches at universities and so forth. So this is how he approaches his classroom and the kids in it.
14: You know, the fascinating part of me is, was it only two years ago that there was this notion that kids on campus were too soft and, you know what I mean, needed to be coddled and, and you know, this, that and, that, and now we have literal laws saying that. We have actual laws, not, you know, beliefs, not ideas, but actual on the books laws saying that. You know, uh, students, you know, in the most recent case, in an AP class of all places, you know, are somehow too sensitive to be exposed to ideas that, you know, give them a sad. You know, it, 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 it is, you know, utter, utterly ridiculous. And it's, it's so clearly not education. The point of it is not education. I'm a teacher, too. I teach down at, at Howard University. Um, I expose my kids to all sorts of things from all sorts of perspectives that I do not hold myself.
0: Really? Could you give us you an example?
5: Tell.
0: Yeah, yeah. well, he mm-hmm. was asked to give an example. And we know, actually, from—we'll get to some commentary from other academics—that that isn't the case. Because these high priestesses, priests and priestesses of the race hustle, don't have to debate, don't want to debate. And so they certainly don't have to. They're not going to be questioned. Everything that they utter is received, is, is taken as received wisdom from— White media. So why be in, and put yourself in a situation where you could be exposed as the intellectual fraud that you are? So they don't. The um, nice little piece of rhetorical artifice there, you know. These kids, oh, we're, we're, they're too soft. They're snowflakes. They're not. They can't hear anything that would make them sad. Well, to the extent that's true, and that it is true to a large extent. That's because of the sort of culture that Tanahisi Coates promotes, where white supremacy lurks behind every corner, and thus blacks right. and other minorities are perpetually being victimized from every direction, and so their rights to be sensitive, or worse. Secondly, um, I agree with you, that's not education. And you need to be exposed to ideas that challenge whatever it is you bring to the table or you've been told to believe. But I go back to say, okay, well, then give me an example. What you do in your classroom? And give me a specific criticism of the pushback against the one-size-fits-all b- binary, dare I say, Oppressor oppressed curriculum that now dominates every level of education in this country, and it will continue to dominate despite uh, you know Ron DeSantis DeSantis's best efforts. Even in his state, that's not going to go without incident. Coates um, talks about that backlash in places like Florida. You're seeing it. Um, you're seeing it in schools. You're
14: seeing it um, in in certain ways in which like criminal justice laws, backlash against bail reform, all these different places where progress is made. You can see the backlash
15: politics being marshaled. And And
14: I just think that's because the idea is sticking. Like, how does the 1619 Project end up in an executive order? Like, think about that. Like, what piece of (laughs) journalism can you remember ending up in an executive order? I mean, no piece of journalism I've ever produced has any me either, brother. <laughs> has any president ever
15: cared that much me about either, one way or the either, other? Me like...
14: either. And, and so what that means is people are afraid. Right. That means something is, is, is sticking in their minds. They're actually using the levers of the state. It doesn't mean it's not dangerous. I want right. to be really, really right. clear right. about that. But it's also a statement of how threatened they feel and, you know, the, the effect that some of this work has had.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. They, see they laugh it off as, you know, they're just, we're, we're, you're ignorant and so you're fearful. Right. That's what that's what uh, Tanya nehisi Coates and the Rachel Maddow, Chris Hayes mashup person will. Would you have you believe? Oh, it's just they just they don't know anything and they're afraid because this is a challenge to the trappings of white supremacy. They enjoy effectively. Is that what's happening? Ron DeSantis is afraid. You're afraid if you don't want this poison being peddled to your kids, I just particularly wish... in an environment where disagreement is not tolerated. Disagreement is racism.
5: I mean, cartoons have changed. I haven't watched cartoons since my kids were little, you know. But now we didn't have politics in cartoons, so I don't know why they have to bring that back. Why the 1619
0: Project so. got the attention of President Trump? Why, and why you're an op-ed that you wrote for The Atlantic? ta codes didn't is because the op-eds in the Atlantic dissipate into the ether. The 1619 Project has the New York Times' blowtorch, the Pulitzer Foundation. It's being packaged into curriculum that's being drop-shipped to government schools around the country, and it's full of inaccuracy. And it's being drop-shipped to people that are going to turn around and instruct using it, as the God's honest truth. And no dissent is allowed. You know, it's, it's this is Kramer at the AIDS walk. You better put the ribbon on. You're just supposed to celebrate it. You're not supposed to question it. And by the way, uh, a lot of noted historians, not particularly of the conservative persuasion, have been specifically devastating in their cri- in their criticism of the 1619 nine, gen- project this agitprop adj- prop produced by Nica- nicole hannah jones and all those other players that i just mentioned uh, for example princeton professor history professor alan guelzo the 1619 uh, project to put it on a short compass in a short compass is an attempt to recenter our understanding of american history what they mean by recenter is to see the presence of slavery and race as the central narrative of American history. It's the indelible sin, and there is no uh, reconciliation, there is no sufficient contrition, and everything that has transpired and transpires to this very moment needs to be pushed through a racial prism. That's what they do. That's what the high priests like Tanahisi Coates and Hank Rogers. And Robin D'Angelo and the street hustler varieties with the with that lack the intellectual chops of those people, like your Al Sharptons or your Jesse Jacksons. This is what they do, and this is what you're going to see on steroids for the next month. You see it all the time, every day. You're going to see it on steroids this month. You're going to see it. Your kids, if your kids, well, if your kids are watching Disney cartoons like Proud Family. Why does it matter? Oh, 69. Oh, it's being, you know, you're just, this is just boogeyman politics by the right. That's what they're suggesting, is it? What do you hear in your kids' schools? 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro answer line. 64636DA, Pro text line. Here's the, co- the atel on coats. Here's sort of his thesis of the world. That if uh, ideas of
14: of white supremacy become less uh, uh, ingrained in the body politic, then when folks look around at the jail system, maybe they actually really do start asking questions. When folks look around at who's poor and who's not, maybe they really do start asking questions in a way that they didn't before. Um, I think of it like the foundation of a building. You can chip away, chip away, chip away, and you can see progress, you know what I mean, in the chipping away, but the building might still be there. You know what I mean? And so it is that the edifice of white supremacy still is there, even as the foundation you know, is, 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 is being chipped away.
0: So this country's foundation is white supremacy and that foundation persists. There's been some progress made here and there trying to make more, you know, no cash bail. He just mentioned, they both mentioned, in addition to this agitprop in the schools. At the same time, they, the cartoon... On the one hand, they reference uh, Frederick Douglass, Frederick D., you know, they put his visage on Mount Rushmore. On the other hand, they know nothing about Frederick Douglass, or at least not the complications, complications from their point of view, uh, like he opposed government distribution of benefits based on race because he saw how devastating that was to blacks when benefits – or punishments, obligations, were distributed by race. So you're just going to perpetuate a system where it's a fight for the levers of power to impose your will and subjugate those who don't look like you. So maybe sometimes blacks will be in that position. Probably more often it'll be whites, and that's not good for blacks. Frederick Douglass. Frederick D. They know that? Could they address that? They never have to. They never have to. And this is the point that John McWhorter makes, who's not a Republican, a linguistics professor from Columbia University, who we often cite on this show. Uh, He gave an interview per his new book. He was on our show to discuss it as well. This is back uh, uh, last year, Uh, Woke Racism, How a New Religion Has Betrayed Black America. John McWhorter, Democrat. Columbia University linguistics professor, you know, uh, the intellect of a Ta-Nehisi Coates and then some. He was asked in a Politico interview: you frame this idea that people, that anti-racism, this woke racism, as you call it, has been elevated to the level that it's now on par with religion. You name-check some folks who are thought to be some of the preeminent writers like Ta-Nehisi Coates and Ibram Kendi. I guess your thinking is these writers don't get challenged enough in their positions on race. McWhorter said, I didn't write the book because of those priests, which is literally what they are, but there does need to be another side put forth, and there are some very serious flaws in the way that kind of person looks at things that are not challenged by the mainstream media in any real way. You see challenges to those people on social media, but those people are allowed to walk with their heads high, never defend themselves in the public square. Tani nehisi Coates and I are not friends, and it goes way back. He does not respect me, and as far as Kendi, he has nothing but the deepest contempt for me, which you can see by viewing some of his tweets. So you have to understand that the priests in question here are not open to other ideas. They don't think of somebody like me as having a challenging viewpoint. They think of me as a heretic, so they're not going to talk to me. There's bad blood. And he is further asked, That, you know, he he says his book is not a book for right wing America, and it's not. Um, But he uh, but he's asked, but but some of what you say is something you certainly will hear in conservative media. How do you square the two ideas? And he squares them by saying, because those people are coming after your kids. I don't think they're going to succeed. But the idea is to infiltrate public and especially private education. I'm seeing all over the country private schools that are going full out for this, centering the entire curriculum on raging against power differentials, as opposed to that being one one thing you learn about in some classes. I'm concerned. I don't want educational theory to be infused with an anti-intellectual limiting ideal of what an education is supposed to be. I've got no problem with kids being taught about how racism works, about the fact there was slavery, that there was Jim Crow. That's fine. That's different from the sorts of things we're seeing happen in some school curricula. And I think we need to stand, athwart it, and yell, stop. Yeah, we do. And don't get backed down by the beautiful lies, well-packaged, offered up by ta Coates and others. If you need intellectual cover, John McCorder and Bob Woodson and Shelby Steele and Jason Hill over at DePaul University and others provide much of it but you better stand up and yell stop. And there's no better time to do it than Black History Month when you're being inundated by this, what I said, intellectual poison like was presented on that Disney cartoon, like it's being presented in every fracking classroom in America just about. Diana uh, in Avondale, you're on Chicago's Morning Answer.
6: Good morning, Dan and Amy. I'm a teacher at Chicago Public Schools, and I am a strong believer that we need to go back to the basics of reading, writing, and arithmetic. We have no place speaking to parents about personal manners as far as politics and religion. We have no place to be saying anything for that. That's all that teachers should do, reading, writing, and arithmetic. It's ridiculous how often people think that we need to get involved with this politics. The union sucks as well, and... Um, I think that if more people stood up to the union, these things wouldn't happen.
0: Thanks for the call, Diana. appreciate it. Dan and Amy, Chicago's Morning Answer.
1: It's like a hot, steaming cup of information (laughs) to start your day. It's Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560, The Answer. Mm. Only the biggest stories, only the biggest guests, and only the biggest opinions. This is AM560, The Answer.
0: Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. Have you ever had one of those uh, impossible burgers?
5: Well, uh, like the no meat burgers, the veggie burgers, or fake meat? Because there's so many different kinds. Got yeah, the, yeah. No, impossible I have burgers not, yeah.
0: like brought to you from Impossible Foods or Beyond oh. Meat. These uh, synthetic meat companies.
5: I have not. Have you?
0: Plant-based uh, protein makers and all that. No, no. Why would I? Why, I can't see. Not, you I'm not one. buying an electric car, and I'm not eating the. Plant-based synthetic meat, three one two six four two fifty six hundred Turnkey Pro Answer Line six four six three six DA Turnkey Text Line. This was supposed to be something that would uh, revolution our revolutionize our, our diets and reduce our carbon footprints at the same time. Because you know,
5: you have to do your part, Dan. Because cows are bad.
0: Yeah. Well. um... Fake meat, it's going, increasingly going to not be what's for dinner. Uh, interesting uh, data here. Uh, both uh, investors as well as uh, employees are being shed. Uh, both companies um, are laying off 20% of their workforce Ooh. amid falling sales. Uh, Beyond meat sales fell more than 22% in the third quarter of 2022 year over year. They blamed inflation uh, Beyond Meat stock is down about 67% Compared to a year ago Yeah Now that doesn't mean that there's not Going to be uh, New entrance to the marketplace Probably underwritten by the so-called Inflation Reduction Act Or more to the point Sort of backdoor Green New Deal legislation And the couple of hundred billion dollars That John Podesta gets to dole out Friend of the big guy But um, yeah uh impossible burgers beyond meat uh, and um impossible foods don't take a long position on those government subsidies or not uh speaking uh, connected story that uh, war on stoves that's been oh yeah laughed at that's a uh, war on stoves nobody's coming to take your gas stove that's not happening uh well it is sort of happening i suppose the impossible burgers, it doesn't matter whether it's electric or gas they're so awful why don't you, if you just want protein why don't you just like have a protein one of those protein bars doesn't it get you give you the same yeah. amount of protein mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you, if you want a burger, then get a proper burger anyway uh the Consumer Product Safety commission uh is actually moving to ban stoves they're just gas powered stoves they're just doing it through the back door because they can't do it through the front. Where have we seen this story before you know what the left can't get through the legislative process they do what they move to the administrative state and they just have them implement it through the back door sort of like the states the government's takeover of health care couldn't get uh, Hillary care passed couldn't get everything they wanted in Obamacare even though it was passed and so you just continue to work through the alphabet soup of bureaucracies to implement what you'd like to do under color of something that was authorized by the legislative process signed by the executive no matter how tenuous the connection the uh, energy department has proposed new efficiency standards that would ban the sale of most gas stoves currently on the market Uh, in point of fact 20 of the 21 gas stove top models that the energy department tested Thank God we have an energy department. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't comply with the proposed standards. Manufacturers would have to spend hundreds of millions of dollars redesigning stoves if they'd even bother, and of course, then your gas-powered stove is going to be that much more expensive, isn't it? But hey, the benefits to the planet well, and the health benefits.
5: Well, Mayor Lightfoot, who's uh, she's helping draft an ordinance stand to ban the appliances and new constructions, you know, in the city um they they claim that the, the use of natural gas is linked to childhood asthma
0: yeah right that's the that's, that's their the new, that's the
5: big scare tactic that's, that's don't you new, want to save children their New
0: data point that's their right That right. the same thing that hochel is doing in new york with the natural gas hookups uh granholm that uh, uh maniac who used to be the governor of michigan now she's the energy secretary there's the study that's being bandied about that uh of childhood asthma cases are attributable to gas stoves. Right. So there you go. What are you, uh, a proponent of asthma in children? Well, if you're not a proponent of asthma in children, then you better get on board and ban those gas stoves, right? Nitrogen
5: dioxide not only uh, causing children to have asthma, but other respiratory and cardiovascular issues. And I just don't believe the government anymore after that COVID debacle that we just went through. and pretty much are still going through right now.
0: And if you don't believe us on the the childhood asthma piece, I'll tell you what, we'll sweeten the pot. What? What do you got? There? The uh, Green New Deal 2.0, mm-hmm. backdoor Green New Deal, get an 80, $840 rebate to buy an electric stove plus $500 to convert from gas. So, you know, and then you can just tell everybody it wasn't for the money. It was because I'm trying to do my part to prevent asthma in children. Everybody feels good, Right. But isn't there something, by the way, just sort of like the same conversation with the uh, impossible burger versus the actual proper burger? Mm-hmm. Isn't there something, I don't know because, you know, I don't cook. There's something that, in terms of like the quality of cooking oh, on an electric stove versus a gas horrible.
5: stove? Peyton, who's our, you know, the, the chef of the house, will not cook on an electric stove. My mom used to have one in Tucson and now she's getting, she got a gas stove, thank God, in two years ago before all this stuff started. Because it's impossible, you you burn a lot of stuff. I can just tell you that much. Where I watch other people burn things, <laughs> they cook on an electric stove.
0: But it, it, so, and it's, then you it's, don't even it's know it's when a, it's off, and you lean into it, and you can burn yourself. It's just it's the quality of the cooking.
5: Yes, yes. So you can't it the, regulate it as well as you can with a gas stove.
0: So then you lose something in the taste, unless you're yes. particularly, you know, talented. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Frank Arlington Heights here on Chicago's Morning <clears> Info. <issue. throat>
4: Hey, good morning. Yeah, you know, on just your last point there, some of the restaurateurs were really complaining about, you know, how they wouldn't be able to use electric stoves to be able to cook the stuff that they cook at restaurants. They basically destroy restaurants. But um, a larger point I wanted to make was that in economics, the definition I use of economics is that it's the study of how society attempts to meet its unlimited needs and wants with limited or scarce resources. That's a pretty good definition. And with, you know, this impossible burger and electric vehicles, the WEF, they basically eliminated the idea of wants, or even you deciding what your needs are. It's basically now, in their economy, they decide what your needs are, and that's all you'll get. That's what these leftists want. That's what they believe in. The elimination of wants and your own feeling of what your needs are. They'll decide. Totalitarianism, completely.
3: That's
0: what it is. Thanks for the call, Frank. Scooter Southside.
3: Hey, good morning, Dan and Amy. I'm thinking that if you're gonna use the gas stove, wear the mask. It'll protect you. It'll be good for you.
16: Wear the mask when you use the gas stove.
0: There you go. Then you and, prevent and childhood gotta- asthma, and you can so you can have a, your your impossible burger and uh, your beyond meat burger too. Yeah.
2: Exactly. And we got to put some of those illegals on the on the uh, balloons and send them to China. OK,
12: thank All you. Right.
0: Thanks for the call, Scooter. You know, the, then they'll then they'll slowly the last piece of it, building off what Frank was saying, last piece of it is when they sort of do the soft approach of administrative rulemaking. Mm-hmm. How about we give you some cash incentives to ease the transition then they just uh start to criminalize it so then then comes the penalty if you're uh a laggard in said conversion right first it's the the carrot of sorts and then it's the stick Uh, reason.com has come up with a good series the uh, fertile libertarian minds over at reasons it's kind of a funny puppet series um and it they're doing and it's a it's a crime series it's uh uh, it's called Crime Squad, and they just do like quick little vignettes where they have two puppets play out a transaction, and then they the police come in because you've violated the law. Oh. Take a listen because it's okay. sort of a, in the in keeping with what we're talking about about the the slow, not so slow burn of banning gas stoves.
8: Double Gloucester?
3: Nope of Blue Vinny. No? Free Roquefort Savoyard? Not today, sir. No.
1: Limburger? I do have Limburger. Ah, excellent. I'll have that then. It's a bit runny. Oh, I like it runny. Uh, It's actually very runny, sir. No matter. It may be runnier than you'd like. I don't care
11: how f***ing runny it is. Hand it over with all speed. Alright, fine. Get him.
17: It's a federal crime to sell overly moist Limburger cheese. Got him.
11: I see you cockroaches. You want to play games? Okay, i play with you.
2: You want to play rough? Okay. Say hello to my little friend.
17: It's a federal crime to sell egg spaghetti that's less than .06 inches in diameter. Got him,
2: yeah!
3: So I gave her all the cash I had, and I co-signed her car loan. It's getting serious, man. Like, she's going to stop dancing soon, too. Like, she's just doing that to get through med school. Trust me, I, I believe her. And um, oh I know her husband's still technically in the picture, but that's just because of the kids. I, I, I think it's all really going to work out. <sighs> just don't say anything, okay?
11: Yeah, sure.
17: Whatever. Get him. It's a federal crime to not report a train wreck. Got him. Yeah.
0: I think the federal crime is a different kind of train wreck. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you appreciate the, uh, yeah, the use of uh, metaphor mm. there. Uh Yeah. Federal crimes. This is the three felonies a day, Harvey Silvergate. This is all a version of the same thing we're talking about with the administrative state, the fourth branch of government never conceived by our founders. Remember when we used to
5: have a choice, though? If you want an electric stove or a gas stove, then that's out the window now.
0: Yeah, I remember that five minutes ago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Frankie in Lake County on Chicago's Morning Answer.
5: Yeah,
3: Amy, love you, love your show. Suggestions. So, you know, they want to uh, ban these stoves. What about putting, uh, requiring ventilation systems, you know, and then you could keep your gas stove? Are they worried about the asthma? Because that will take care of it. It'll take the fumes out. Or is it, you know, that's how we find out that they're, uh, you know, full of it? Because, uh, you know, that's the only thing I could think of.
0: Yeah, okay. yeah. Thanks for the call, Frank. I mean, I, I guess they figure that. Uh, look, the uh, the person that wants to to uh, add that much expense to their choice of ovens, then I suppose they'll make accommodations for now. You know, if you want to to pay significantly higher prices and have to right. install ventilation systems and so forth, but the, the majority of people, the average American, will comply and or be encouraged to comply with the rebates and that's how they'll move this thing along. Todd downtown. Hey Todd. Todd are you there? Hi
16: this is Todd. Yep. Dan, Mamie, I wanted to tell you about uh, people getting these electric stoves. I'm getting a lot of calls for them. I'm a service technician in Chicago. More than half of the people's electric can't even handle Putting these stoves in. I had actually a client call me and actually bought a stove and had the gas stove removed, called me to put in the electric stove, and only for me to tell him he couldn't do it because his electric was at the front of the unit and his stove was at the back. And he was in a condominium, which the electric is figured for how many amps can be used in a unit, and if everybody got electric stoves, There's no way the electricity grid could handle it in that building. When a building is built, the electricity is figured for how many amps is going to be used. With these electric stoves, it increases the usage and just sometimes cannot be done.
0: That's a a really interesting, uh, pragmatic, uh, real-world problem. But uh, it's an easy solution there. Just uh, everybody gets, uh, what, $15,000, $20,000 special assessment to rewire the building to uh, increase the load capacity, right, Todd?
16: No, actually, sometimes it just can't be done because they have no. to increase everything, the transformer size and everything. And oh, so it then,
0: is just a an yeah,
18: unrealistic thing.
0: Just knock down the building and rebuild it to code, you know? <laughs> or to, to Yeah, you know, right. Yep. Exactly. Uh, thanks for the call. I a little problem there for condo owners. Oh, that's interesting. Good perspective from a professional, you know, the sort of person you don't have in government. Joe in Glen Ellen.
19: Yeah, Dan, I mean, h- half the week I'm running to Chipotle to get my kids food. I mean, we, we hardly cook in the first place. I mean, no one's brought up the point that you would have to be cooking like all day right. for that to even be an issue.
0: Oh, the the childhood asthma thing?
5: Yes,
7: another.
19: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not like you're cooking in your kitchen all day. You're cooking very minimal time every day in your kitchen.
0: Yeah, and you're you're you're
19: cooking all day.
0: Right, and I assume your kid is not like stationed under the oven no. hood, <laughs> the vent, you know, the vent there. Right? I assume that's not the case. But who conducted study yeah. the study? Don't trust they it. They just make, of course, they just, make up, just make up stuff. We need to have something we're fighting. We need to be wearing the white hats, and where this is they about safety and it's about health and saving lives. I mean, it just Dan, it's about itself. the children. Remember? Of course it is. Of course it is. Mark, Southwest Side. Hey, how's it going? I had a question uh, about the uh,
19: conversion. They said that there would be possible cash incentives. I've had an electric stove now for 21 years. In fact, I upgraded to another electric stove. Would I qualify then for reparations
0: for having had it this whole time? Yes, yes, exactly. And, and your, the college loans you paid will be forgiven too. Yes. Dan and Amy, Chicago's Morning Answer. This is Chicago's Morning Answer.
4: Your show keeps me alive during the week. There's nobody I'd rather listen to between five and nine in the morning than you guys.
1: On AM five sixty, the answer. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson. On AM five sixty, the answer.
0: Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. Some are questioning why the big guy, Mr. Ten Percent, President Biden, waited so long to order the Tricom red balloon to be blown out of the sky. But uh, the big guy said over the weekend, hey, look, I made the call. I made the call Wednesday. Then it was just a matter of waiting for
2: the opportune moment. Briefed on the balloon. Ordered the Pentagon to shoot it down. On Wednesday, as soon as possible, they decided, without doing damage to anyone on on the ground, they decided that the best time to do that was it got over water, outside within our within the 12 mile limit. They successfully took it down, and I want to compliment our aviators who did it. And we'll have more to report on this uh, a little later. Thank you. Mr. Mr. Like what you say about China? What's
4: your
2: message to China? You were
0: saying the
4: recommendation
2: from your was from your national. Security I told them to shoot it down on
4: Wednesday. On
9: Wednesday, but the recommendation.
2: They from said was... to me, "Let's wait till the safest place to do it." hmm uh-huh.
0: And uh, the question of whether this uh, was just an accident—that this uh, spy balloon just uh, somehow drifted off course, like uh, the the uh, SS Minnow in Gilligan's Island. Right. Uh, Richard Haas Deep thinker from the Council on Foreign Relations, was on with that uh, yapping little terrier, Chuck Todd. And he's not so sure because it's just so inconsistent with what we've seen from the Chai comms diplomatically.
18: Let's talk about the context. China has been on a decided charm offensive for several months. They've clearly wanted to lower the temperature, improve U.S.-Chinese relations. Lincoln was about to be the first Secretary of State to meet with Xi Jinping in what, six years mm-hmm. or or so. The idea that they would use this balloon intentionally to be a provocation on the eve of this trip, possible, but I, it's so inconsistent with everything that is going on of late. If I were the Chinese thinking of provocations, I would think something in Taiwan mm-hmm. would be a much more obvious place uh, to do it. This doesn't seem to me uh, at all obvious. Indeed, I I would raise fundamental questions of two things. What was the intentionality here? Yeah. Was it to fly this balloon at this altitude at this time? And then the decision making. All I'll say is it does not fit into the larger pattern of Chinese diplomacy of the last few months. It's a rare area, shall we say, of bipartisan consensus. You'd be hard pressed to see fundamental differences between the Trump foreign policy toward China and the Biden administration towards China. But again, china several months ago after you know given the COVID problems after the 20th party congress they have done a number of things sent a number of messages to lower the temperature in u.s china's relationship they wanted it as if they wanted to put off right. any crisis or confrontation i think for several years
0: mm-hmm. well i mean isn't he cute uh richard haas he's just darling it's I remember being that age. Well, I don't, actually, because he's much older than I am. But I remember being perhaps that naive. No, actually, I don't, because I believe people when they show you who they are. It's possible, just possible. This wasn't asked, because it's too obvious to follow up. Is it possible, just possible, that the uh, charm offensive is fraudulent? Congressman Mikey Gallagher from Wisconsin, who has been tapped to head the china select committee uh, maria Bartiromo, yesterday
15: well letting a chinese surveillance balloon lazily drift over america is like seeing a robber on your front porch and inviting him in showing him where you keep your safe where you keep your guns where your children sleep at night and then politely asking him to leave it makes no sense it makes us look weak and flat-footed on the world stage furthermore if these bloomberg reports are true that the Biden administration deliberately tried to keep the American people in the dark so as to salvage Secretary Blinken's trip to Beijing. That's unacceptable. Allowing this to happen in order to preserve a photo op with Xi Jinping, who's committing genocide, that's foreign policy malpractice. And let's assume that the balloon was mostly harmless or we neutralized it. Do we think that this was, the timing was coincidental? It's far more likely that they deliberately timed this in order to send a message as Blinken was preparing for his trip. And the message is, look what we can do to you and get away with. Your your corporations, your career politicians, they will come crawling back. And so the message I have for the Biden administration is, don't fall for the Chinese Communist Party charm offensive. It's a farce. It's a bedtime story they tell out-of-touch global elites at Davos. It's time to push back before it's too late. Before something far more dangerous than a balloon is flying over American territory.
0: So cynical, Mike Gallagher, about our friends, the Chinese communists. For more on this, please be joined by Lieutenant Colonel Jim Carafano, Vice President of the Catherine and Shelby Cullum Davis Institute for International Studies at the Heritage Foundation, author of Brutal War, Jungle Fighting in Papua New Guinea, 1942. Jim, Richard Richard Haas is confused. Is is Mike Gallagher helping us clear up that confusion?
3: You know, I kind of feel like we're shooting at clay pigeons here. First of all, if the Chinese, if this had inadvertently drifted over America, and the Chinese knew that the Secretary of State was coming, and they really wanted to lower the temperature, why wouldn't they jump on the air and say, "Hey, Americans, you know, we've inadvertently sent this balloon over there. Here it is. Uh, we're really sorry about that." They didn't do that. Why are they? Why did they lie about it? In the most egregious. And obviously, you know, explain that you can prove this is a you know, a falsehood. You know, claiming that it's a weather balloon, um, first of all, when it flies over military targets and when you can monitor the transmissions from the balloon, and if they're encoded, which in Dev- which they must be, you know, nobody encodes weather data. So what? so it's <laughs> not he's completely wrong. It's not consistent with the charm offense of um, yeah, it's true that the Chinese have been on a of charm offensive, but we know that that charm offensive is feckless. We know it's not sincere. They're continuing to fund and support the Russian war against Ukraine. The charm offensive is mostly aimed at the global south to, to actually make them anti-American. So Hassan's notion that somehow they're lowering the temperature here is is ridiculous. Now, what they are trying to do is this administration wants a nice, comfortable china and they want to play it the has for that and so yeah actually like Blinken's coming and they're actually sending a balloon over and we're trying to hide the fact from the american people yeah to make this look really really bad
5: well the balloon was flying and it does
3: look like they were trying to it does look like they were trying to hide this from americans because they wanted the trip to come off and then to cancel the trip not just after they made the announcement But after the the giant blowback, because only after the blowback happened, all of a sudden they decided, oh, yeah, we're outraged by this. They wanted the trip to go through and they wanted to hide the balloon. That is that is the one set of data that we have that cannot be disputed.
5: So China's response, you know, they're expressing strong dissatisfaction and protest over the use of force by the United States. How much is this going to strain the U.S.-China relationship going forward?
3: Well, this is the nonsense here. First of all, that comment, by the way, is not aimed at us because we know it's stupid and laughable. It's aimed at the countries that they want to be anti-American, to give them a reason to be anti-American. So it just shows, and this notion that somehow the, 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 this, that we can fix this relationship, that like this is a couple that just needs therapy.
0: This yeah, is
3: This is an aggressive adversarial power that's doing exactly what it wants. And this notion is, how do we get the relationship back on course? That's like having dinner with Hannibal Lecter and saying, how do we agree on the menu? This is not going to happen.
0: (laughs) Well, um, you know, um, uh, Anthony Blinken and announcing his his um, decision to postpone his trip because, Mm. you know, the conditions are just not ripe for the very constructive dialogue that would happen. Uh, he, He had this to say. So he's. He's much more sanguine about uh, the prospects to get along with the CHICOMs, particularly, you know, with uh, John Kerry, the climate are trying to get them on board for all of our emissions goals. Here's Blinken. We concluded that
19: conditions were not conducive for a constructive visit at this time. In my call today with Director Wang Yi, I made clear that the presence of this surveillance balloon in U.S. airspace is a clear violation of U.S. sovereignty and international law that it's an irresponsible act, and that the PRC's decision to take this action on the eve of my planned visit is detrimental to the substantive discussions that we were prepared to have. I told uh, Director Wong that the United States remains committed to diplomatic engagement with China and that I plan to visit Beijing when
0: conditions allow. Boy, uh, the Politburo there in Beijing must have been wetting themselves after those comments by Blinken, huh?
3: Right this team. is the funny part of the whole thing. It's like, oh, the tragedy here. The tra- <laughs> we could not get blink <laughs> to Beijing. This guy's like zero oh, and three with the Chinese. There. Every time he comes, they mop the floor with him. It's like, you know, oh my God, isn't this terrible that we couldn't get <laughs> like, Beijing? Isn't this bad that we couldn't have P- Pee Wee Herman fight Muhammad Ali? I mean, come on. <laughs>
0: Uh, but when conditions are ripe for a constructive engagement, Anthony Blinken will be there, Jim.
3: Yeah, you know, the conditions will be right when the government Beijing collapses and they're all lined up against the law and shot by the Chinese people.
0: No, there you go. Uh, that's the kind of rhetoric that we need from a secretary of state. You better should put your resume in. Uh, all right. So, Jim, you uh, wrote a piece for uh, Fox News that suggested that uh, the Luft balloon there uh, – uh, over Big Sky Country before it met its demise over Gulf Country and Myrtle Beach. There, um, this is not the only seismic intelligence failure the, uh, of the Biden administration vis-a-vis the Chinese communists. Uh, some other ones that come to mind.
3: Well, I'll just mention one because it's a long list, but and that is, you know, any time there's a potential compromise of U.S. intelligence. Um, there's an assessment done by the intel community.
10: And so he's pointing out,
3: like Hunter's laptop, which even Hunter says is Hunter's laptop, that there's got to be widespread concerns about intelligence compromise, assessment of of what that might mean. Where is it? So that means one of two things. Either the intelligence community didn't do one, which would be completely irresponsible, or they did it and we're not seeing it. And so the point is, the balloon thing is just, a consistent pattern from this administration where we're not seeing timely, critical intelligence on China. And I'm not asking, you know, tell us secrets, but the fundamental judgments on what the Chinese are doing. And so one of two things are going on here is the intelligence community is not collecting good intelligence on China, which is scary enough. or we're playing politics with this, and we're consciously suppressing critical information about China because it's not politically convenient to the
0: administration,
3: or because it's interfering with their ability for John Kerry to fly over and and, and uh, have tea in Beijing.
0: Uh, we are seeing reports of a second Chinese spy balloon that's flying over South America. Um, what should I mean? I, I know what we should do if it enters American airspace, but what should we do vis-a-vis our allies in quotation marks in South America uh, I, and the Chinese spying there?
3: See, this to me is the big question. Why are they doing those? The Chinese have very exquisite uh, low-Earth orbit uh, satellite intelligence. It gives you exactly the same thing. So why a balloon? Now, you well, could maybe convince me that, look, nobody has 100% global coverage and you want some intel. So you, I could see sending the balloon into a, maybe places in Latin America that you don't have satellite coverage. I, I don't know. But obviously they have satellite coverage over U.S. military targets. So why are they sending the balloons over here so what's going on here i mean are, what are the chinese up to i mean what niche capability or need do they have for these balloon things and and that i don't understand and to me that's that's the real serious question because the only thing i agree with with richard hoffman and you should note this because i'll probably never say that again um is the chinese uh, do things with intentionality so what are their intentions in this balloon intelligence collection? Well, and I, and I think that's a, a really a good question.
5: Well, they flew over several military bases. If you look at its track, I mean, was that planned? I mean, the surveillance balloon was the size of three school buses, solar-powered, powered, Excuse me, and had this metal fin to maneuver the balloon. So did they gain you know, well, any information by flying over those military bases?
3: Well, I, to me, this is a, a, a good question. See, one of the things is, that we do know, we know the earth rotates so we know when the satellites are going to be overhead and anybody who's seen any tam clancy movie knows that you know people know when these satellites are coming overhead and they shut down everything they don't want the satellites to see so did they think they were going to sneak a balloon over and see things that the, that the satellites couldn't see um did they logically think they could get a balloon over here and nobody would notice so I really don't know the answers to these questions, and to me they're the real critical questions, which is why are the Chinese doing this? The problem is – and this is the thing you've hit on in the show – the problem is this administration is much more concerned with talking to the Chinese so John Kerry can ask them to stop building coal plants than they are about dealing with the threats to the American people.
0: So is it a i mean, is it what, sort of what Mike Gallagher intimated with this is this is a a show of force, a soft show, but a show of force nonetheless by the Chinese communists to the rest of the world to essentially say uh this you know that that America is in decline, they can't even protect themselves, their response to us is tepid we can we can make these provocative overtures, and they do nothing they're milling about they are you know they're 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 they're, they're uh as you said, feckless in terms of response. Is that the point, perhaps?
3: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we have enough data to say that yet. But here's what I I will predict, is that Mike Gallagher is going to be Joe Biden and and Beijing's worst day ever. That the more work that this, his oversight committee does and the more things they expose to the public, the more this notion of we can all just get along is going to become unbelievably unsustainable.
5: You know, when I saw this balloon flying overhead, I kept thinking of what that Air Force general said, that we'd be with war in China in 2025 or by 2025.
3: Well, yeah, you know, I do think that that was a a really bad story and and kind of completely overblown. He wasn't making a prediction. I mean, if you listen to his remarks, I think it's pretty clear. What he's trying to say is we should be serious about dealing with the Chinese. And and the thing I... Where would we be today? What kind of message would we be sending China today if we had implemented Joe Biden's last two defense budgets, both of which would have actually meant a real decline in U.S. military capability and power? That's, that's what the Chinese pay attention to. I, I say this. The Chinese pay attention to what we do, not what we say. Biden wants them to listen to what, he, to what we say and pay no attention to what we do. This is
5: not
0: a marriage that's going to end well. He is, Lieutenant Colonel Jim Carafano of the Heritage Foundation. Jim, thanks as always. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys.
5: Thank you. And he joined us on our Answer line.
1: You're listening to Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Prof and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Only the biggest stories, only the biggest guests, and only the biggest opinions. This is AM560, The Answer.
0: Top of the morning, Dan and Amy, 312 642 5600, turnkey.pro. Answer line 646 36DA, turnkey.pro. Text line, your calls in reaction to our conversation with uh, Lieutenant Colonel Jim Carifano about uh, the Chi uh, Com's Luft balloon. Uh, in addition, I want to get to um, Russiagate and this Columbia Journalism Review of the Press, but before we do that, One thing we didn't get to with Jim, we discussed a little bit earlier in the show, but I want to make sure people are aware of this. Yeah, this and it dovetails with sort of the Russia gay type D.C. press corps you have this assertion that's being made, the spin that's coming out, that uh, the Chinese spy balloon, nothing new, not unprecedented, that spy balloons happened, came into American airspace three times during the Trump administration they were not shot down and they went undisclosed. That was some of the reporting.
5: Right. But the Trump administration maintains that that did not happen. On
0: their John part. Radcliffe, the former director of national intelligence, top spy, saying.
7: Well, it's not true. I can I can refute it. Um, uh, former secretary of defense, uh, Mark Esper, refuted it yesterday. Sec- former secretary of state and CIA director Mike Pompeo has refuted it. But, Maria, the American people can refute it for themselves. Um, Uh, Do you remember during the Trump administration when uh, photographers on the ground and commercial airline pilots were talking about uh, a spy balloon over the United States uh, that people could look up and see even with with the naked eye and that a media that hated Donald Trump wasn't reporting? I don't remember that either because it didn't happen. As I said to you earlier, this was unprecedented. We have never had a circumstance where an adversary has had spy craft over our country, our continental United States, posing a threat for the better part of a week straight.
0: And former Joint Chiefs of Staff General uh, Chairman uh, General Mike Mullen on ABC's This Week said similar.
8: Uh, To my knowledge, it's the first time, uh, you know, I've seen anything come over the country like this. There's no question. And obviously you can't hide it. So this was not an accident. This was deliberate. It was intelligence. You know, and we need to do two things. We need to sort out all the details of that. More importantly, we need to make sure we can get this relationship moving in the right direction.
5: Mm-hmm. And remember, when this first happened, though, I, I, CBS News said it was spotted by passengers and a commercial plane that it was going up. I mean, it ended up going sixty thousand feet, and a passenger plane doesn't go that high. But they saw it ascending up, and that's how this whole thing started. That we found out about
0: this. Dave and DeKalb, you're on Chicago's Morning Answer.
5: You
10: know, this kind of balloon thing was great for Biden. It gave him a chance to show that he really wants to do something about de- inflation.
5: <laughs> oh, I hi Hey.
0: Very good, Dave. You brought down inflation. Mm-hmm. Very mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Tom in Woodstock.
16: Yeah, I just wanted to share that, you know, I, I was speaking to my daughter about this. She's 23, college graduate. And she kind of thought it was funny, so I think this kind of ties back to the ignorance many of our young people have, based upon you know what you talk about regularly with regard to the schools. They they just don't understand, and and they're not they they don't get a proper news source.
5: No, thanks for the and call. And they don't have appreciation for our military. I think, I mean, but that happens when you take away days like Veterans Day, so that you know you can change it so that uh, voting day. That's what Pritzker did in the state of Illinois. So there's no respect for the veterans because they're not learning about
0: them. Frank in Tinley Park. Did did anybody wonder if they
16: were squirting a new virus out the back of that balloon?
5: (laughs) See, that's what I said this morning. Yeah,
0: all right. A new
5: variant, it would be
0: called. One too many uh, Get Smart episodes for you two. Yeah, thanks for the call, Frank. Uh, Kip in Stillman Valley. Yeah,
9: thank you. Uh, Hey, listen, you had a thing about the news, too, but all the spies – Balloon stuff. I really don't believe it at all. But I know one thing that we're not talking about is the possible uh, the foreign investors and that with the Biden Corporation and all the things with Hunter's laptop. And we might have a foreign operative that's our president of the United States. You know, and with Russia Gate and all that, and and uh, the, the news media and the propaganda. Did you hear about the the? I I believe it was a. Uh, uh, emergency room doctor in California. Got ran over riding his bike. He lived close to the yeah, hospital. Yeah, he got he stabbed
0: was, to death. Yes. Yeah, yeah right.
9: Yeah, stabbed to death. And then I seen the, the picture of the guy was a crazed lunatic in of one color persuasion and not a story. I believe i seen that on the local news.
0: What does that but, have to do with the Chinese spy balloon?
9: Well, I know, but the Chinese spy balloon, we had them here. It was a big thing a few years back. They used to fly over the United States. Isn't this one way to keep the Biden corporation off the news possible?
0: Yeah, thanks mm-hmm. for the call, Kip. I mean, uh, yeah, tra- it actually draws more attention because it draws attention to the amount of Tricom money the Penn Biden Center received and Hunter's business dealings, not to mention the avalanche of memes that were Biden related coming out of this and Swalwell related too. I like the one that was Which like one? uh uh Happy Valentine's Day, Happy Valentine's Day, uh, Eric Swalwell from Fang Fang, which I thought was nice.
5: And you made a meme too. Did you tweet that out, by the way?
0: Yeah, I tweeted. You it You made a meme. It's Is this your first as, one? It's not as good as some of the others. All right, you know, I'm going to look at it so on probably, Twitter.
5: Yeah, it's anyway. at Dan Proft in case you want to. But um,
0: it. to to the point about the larger Chinese communist threat and thus uh, our, the seriousness which we should take incursions. Like a spy balloon. Uh, Mike Gallagher, Congressman we were talking about from Wisconsin, who's been tapped to be the chairman of the China Select Committee. He was on Bartiroma yesterday, and he talked a little bit more about that beyond the balloon, talking about
15: the uh, united front activities of the CHICOMs. But the bottom line is this. People don't understand the way in which the Chinese Communist Party uses something called united front work to corrupt our domestic institutions. United front work is this combination of intelligence operations and influence operations and economic coercion that they use to buy off foreign elites and promote stories that help the Communist Party and eliminate stories that hurt the Communist Party. We need a massive strategy for countering United Front work because it's not just Sequoia, it's not just various asset managers, it's American universities, it's other uh, educational institutions across the board. For too long, we've let this soft form of corruption to go forward, and that's what we're going to have to tackle on the Select Committee on the Chinese Communist Party.
0: Yeah, and Jim Comer. Well, and his committee, and then and Jim Comer's investigation into Biden Inc. is, is again refreshing. Fifty four and a half million dollars in donations from sources in China to that Penn Biden Center. Yep. The thirty one million dollars that members of the Biden Inc. Consortium uh were accrued in five business deals with individuals who have direct ties to the highest levels of the Chinese communist government. So I mean those are legitimate questions. They would certainly be questions that were that would would be asked by the press corps if the target was a Republican, any Republican. um, And they're not being asked about the Bidens, and they should be. And I think between Jim Comer, Mike Gallagher, and Jim Jordan, they're going to be. Uh, Greg LaGrange.
19: Hi, good morning, guys. Uh, The whole thing is the violation of our airspace. That's one of the most important things that we have. Uh, You know, President Biden is consistent is that he does not protect our borders or our airspace. That's the issue. I don't care if it's a weather balloon. I don't care if it was a parade balloon. The fact that it violated our airspace is tragic enough. So I just find this whole thing that needs to be investigated. And like you said, Dan, it's not—it's uh, obvious to everybody that even a sentient human being, there's money tied up with that family and the Chinese that go way back for the Penn Center, to Hunter Biden, to all of it. And that's the problem. And that's what the press should be pounding on, but the press is in the in in the tank for we know what reasons. And I'm glad that the Republicans are finally going to start asking questions. I just want to see it go somewhere this time. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Craig. Owen in Willowbrook.
19: Hey, the Bidens have a habit of leaving things around,
3: so maybe the Chinese <laughs> were just returning some classified documents that Hunter and Joe left over
0: there. Could be. Yeah. Thanks for the call. Maybe he left a. Another laptop at a repair shop in Beijing. I'm trying to get it back to him, possible. Jason and Berwin.
5: Hey Dan, hey Amy, thanks for taking my call. Um,
6: I don't understand why why nobody's asking the question. Why they this could have been done with Biden's permission? Like the China says, okay, we want to fly blue. He says, okay, nobody will notice. The people are too stupid, and so they just let it in and when they get called out they don't shoot it down until it's collected everything that it needed over the silos over Scott Air Force base whatever
0: uh thanks for the call Jason i mean right anything under the sun is possible but there's no evidence to support anything of the sort it's and uh they won't notice well the pentagon's going to notice and not everybody there is in the tank for this uh this clown show in the white house so yeah, I, I, you know, I assume that's not the case. There's no evidence to support that that would be the case. And uh, the response was the response. Now, whether or not they try to, uh, as Jim Carifano pointed out, whether or not they try to uh, ignore its existence once they learned of its existence because they didn't want the Blinken trip to be postponed. Well, that's a different story. And that's sort of the same thing now, sort of classified info redux when it comes to Biden, Inc.,
5: and we got some text messages, Dan and Amy, I think the whole point of the balloon was to show the world that China could invade our airspace whenever they want, and we'll do nothing.
0: Yeah, well, that's what I was sort of getting to with Carafano, is that, is it a bit of a show of force? Is it a bit of a showing up America to the rest of the world?
5: But another one, the, the balloon was the Trojan horse test.
0: The Trojan, yep. right, <laughs> yes, right. Gonna yeah. be a, a bunch of uh, next time. It'll be a bunch of uh, Chinese communist uh, ground troops uh, parachuting in from the balloon, Red Dawn mm-hmm. style. Yeah. Probably, probably not. That's probably not how it goes down. Um, speaking of the press corps here, the, the lack of inquisitiveness. I did want to just mention this Columbia Journalism Review of the DC press corps handling of Russia Gate. This extensive uh, report that they put out last week. That, um, you know, essentially uh, tells you a lot of what's already been reported and characterized as opposed as it pertains to Trump. But uh, much less so any sort of accounting, particularly by like, you know, uh, a reputedly respected outfit like the Columbia Journalism Review. When it comes to the press corps conduct, we've talked about it. Um, They've been very silent about it. And so this is a way for them to present like there is a watchdog within their ranks and being uh, chastised and having the backs of their hands slapped means that the press is accountable to someone. and, And this call for introspection as a result of all the false reporting that was done. Uh, very interesting um, and and very self-serving in a sense, even though there's criticism there. Uh, Jeff Gerth, right, a former New York Times reporter, writing, quote, The end of the long inquiry into whether Donald Trump was colluding with Russia came in July 2019 when Robert Mueller, the special counsel, took seven sometimes painful hours to essentially say no. But outside the Times' own, dam- own bubble, the damage to the credibility of the Times and its peers persists three years on. And is likely to take on new energy as the nation faces yet another election season animated by antagonism toward the press. At its root was an undeclared war between an entrenched media and a new kind of disruptive presidency with its own hyperbolic version of the truth. Um, it is a, a long read, but but ultimately uh, it documents the D.C. press corps destroying its credibility. It didn't deserve the credibility it had going into the 2016 election. But it destroyed it largely within a supermajority of Americans after their performance in 2016 and subsequently specifically with the Russiagate story. And they should have no credibility. And by the way, this is just a outside review. I haven't heard much in the way of Mia culpa's from the same press corps any more than we're going to get Mia culpa's from these same individuals as it pertains to COVID reporting while they're calling for COVID amnesty. That's just how they do it. They create a mess and then they scurry away pretending nothing has occurred. But there is an addition on the Russiagate reporting piece that should be noted. And this comes to us from Matt Taibbi per Elon Musk and the ongoing disclosure of information that was compiled by Twitter. One of the pieces, sources that the press used to justify their coverage was this Hamilton 68 Russian bot uh, identifier, this piece of, this tool that was created, identify Russian bots and so on and so forth. And uh, look, there was a lot of reporting that relied on Hamilton 68 And uh, this guy, Clint Watts, who was the main spokesman for Hamilton 68, when it came to substantiating claims and creating sort of this nefarious uh, aura around President Trump. Just take a listen to the mashup of the number of outlets and individuals leaning on Hamilton 68.
7: We work with the Hamilton 68 project to really understand the foreign uh, influence uh, online. Hamilton 68 falsely accused, legitimate American accounts
4: of being Russian bots.
16: Hamilton 68, we track Russian bot
17: armies.
4: Hamilton 68 are tracking this the most. Hamilton
16: 68. I'll tell you what the Russian associated accounts were doing. Hamilton 68. Hamilton
17: 68. Hamilton 68.
16: Hamilton 68 68 looks at Russian accounts. Wonderful website called Hamilton 68 that tracks known Russian bots. Look at
8: Hamilton 68. I encourage you to look at that. The Hamilton 68 research. Really interesting website. Students will really enjoy. Hamilton 68
4: has just been such an amazing resource. Hamilton 68 knows their Russian bots. Hamilton
8: 68 dashboard. If you want to track their code,
12: We need more fact checking like Hamilton 68, Hamilton 68, Hamilton
0: 68, they track Russian associated troll farms. There is no
7: evidence to support their statements.
0: In fact, Matt Taibbi in his piece at his uh, uh, new outlet, The Racket, the story eventually published, Move Over Jason Blair, Meet Hamilton 68, the New King of Media Fraud, was based on email assessments of Twitter executives like Yoel Roth and Nick Pickles the forensic analysis Roth had done in 2017 in which was excerpted in the release of this installment of the Twitter files. These elements made for a pretty ironclad case that the much-ballyhooed Hamilton 68 dashboard was a sham that took real opinions of real people and falsely declared them to be part of a network of Russian influence activities. That's the top line. You can dig into it. We don't have the time to do it this hour. But this is important because not only was it a sham, as Matt Taibbi reports and details, uh, and, and provides the evidence in detail. But it was a sham that involves smearing other Americans as Russian bot accounts, and this is another case study in how the DC press corps behaved for much of the last six years, and in various ways with different targets and different sacred cows continues to behave. Dan and Amy, Chicago's Morning Answer.
1: If you're talking about it, Dan and Amy are talking about it. It's Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560, The Answer.
12: by dialing 800-419-2387. If you have unfiled tax returns or cannot afford to pay your personal or business back taxes, you can now get the help you need. One simple phone call can resolve your tax problem and save you thousands of dollars. To see if you qualify and to get this important free information, call 800-419-2387. 800-419-2387. 800-419-2387.
1: If you're looking for the latest news, insight into what it means, and the sharpest opinion, there's only one station in Chicago where you can turn, and it's this one. We're AM560, The Answer. News, opinion, insight. This is AM560, The Answer. W-I-N-D Chicago. Streaming at 560theanswer.com. On the AM560 mobile app. Tune in. iHeart. And on Odyssey. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer.
0: Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. So another officer involved shooting death, this time in L.A. County, Huntington Park. That involved the LAPD shooting and killing a uh, man with both legs partially amputated who was fleeing officers after allegedly stabbing someone.
5: Yeah, his name was Anthony Lowe Jr. And uh, his family has filed a lawsuit claiming that you know, they use excessive force because he doesn't have feet, a double amputee. And when they are, so after the stabbing, they were trying to arrest him. And he's hobbling down the sidewalk, pulling his wheelchair for a little bit, you can see him. He is. He does have the knife in his hand, and then he let, goes to the wheelchair and is hobbling down the street. And according to police, they tasered him twice, and there was some movement where he might have lunged at an officer, and that's when the rapid fire took place. Well, unlike with
0: Tyree Nichols, uh, the cell phone video that captures this uh, has the, the, the police walking him down as he attempts to flee. I mean, it's
5: it's on un- i mean uh, and
0: and and then but but then you don't see the shooting and so you don't exactly know what happened and I'm, i mean maybe that will be footage that comes out that provides that that uh, angle so that you see what ultimately happened the resolution of this the shooting itself but Um, It doesn't look good. And, of course, there are people calling for calm in L.A.'s, so so don't riot and so on and so forth and let the process uh, play itself out. These officers involved in the shooting have been suspended. As you mentioned, the the, uh, uh, civil suit has been filed. Oh, boy.
5: Well, here's his family.
13: You can tell that he was in fear for his life. You know, he had no legs.
5: It could have been handled any other way. If you see this video, I, I, I couldn't believe it. I, it's just unlike yes. anything you will ever see, because I'm sure this is very rare that this happened. And the officers—one was black, and the other two were white or Latino, because you know race is going to pay a part, play a part in this. But I just—I think that they was excessive force. I, I I can't believe that they fatally shot him. And there's cop cars, so the only angle you you hear the shooting. Is from somebody's cell phone camera, so you don't, you can't see what the suspect is doing before they, you know, low, you know, unload, unload their guns on him.
0: I mean, it's just, it's, um, it's a look. This is a serious matter. A man lost his life, but I mean, it's just so surreal. I mean, it's almost a, like a. a cartoonish caricature right. of what has happened to big city america and it's like i mean if it wasn't so serious it would be like a, a wayans brother sketch i mean i i don't know what to say about it we'll see
5: i mean it seems like there's so many other options we'd love to hear from officers oh, too. what you do oh, in situations oh, oh, like well, this. we don't
0: we don't know because we don't know what happened we only know a little bit of what happened what do you do in a situation that we don't know i don't know what was the situation
5: from the video I saw. For more there's... on this,
0: we're pleased to be joined by our friend Heather McDonald. She is the Thomas W. Smith Fellow at the Manhattan Institute and author of The War on Cops and the Diversity Delusion. Heather, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Thanks, Dan and Amy. So, uh, the Tyree Nichols uh, police killing in Memphis, and, uh, and maybe, depending on more information becoming available about this. Uh, incident in huntington park california we're talking about i mean this is going to be the same thing that plays itself out after every single one of these uh, that we've gone through over the last decade uh, where everybody sort of plays their part and there is no light that occurs it's just heat that's exchanged right
6: yes and I understand the absolute outrage. I feel it too about the Tyree Nichols shooting, and it raises in the public's mind legitimate questions about whether we've just had a window into a reality of policing that is ordinarily off stage. But I can tell you that looking at the data, uh, it is not the case that the Nichols beating death represents the the primary threat to black Americans that is not why black Americans are dying of say gun homicide between the ages of 10 and 24 at 25 times the rate of whites between the ages of 10 and 24 they're being killed by other blacks not by the police not by whites And the only reason that there's the furor over the Tyree Nichols case is because he was black. Uh, if he had been white, there would not be that, that, uh, intense attention to this case, but over half of all people killed by fatal police shootings each year are white. Uh, but the media doesn't pay attention to them. 20, about 25% are black. Uh, and so we should make sure that this is not a systemic problem. I don't think it is. We don't need no, we don't know enough about the incident yet. We don't know what happened before the videos to what extent was Nichols possibly resisting arrest. One of the officers said that he was trying to grab his gun that if that's the case, uh, that changes Although, the our understanding to
0: a certain extent. No, but there's no there's no video evidence to support that claim made by that officer. But yeah, if there was evidence to support that claim, I suppose. Um, the other thing that's that uh, the 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 Tyree Nichols case points out that the matter of the uh, race of the police officers doesn't matter anymore. It'll be the same claim. So even though that all the police officers involved in his beating death were black that they're still tools of white supremacy we learned from van jones and other commentators
6: right i mean at this point racism is an unfalsifiable proposition it now has become anything bad that happens to a black person is racist regardless of what the who the perpetrators are what the intention was so that's that's just now the dominant narrative of our world that has consequences as I say, I mean, this shooting is appalling. It sickens me. It, it seems to represent a complete breakdown of legitimate tactics, uh, supervision. I mean, these officers did not know what they were doing. They right. should not have been on the force.
5: There was a so, lack of training. I mean, and do you think the Memphis police chief's going to pay with her job?
6: Uh, probably, yeah. Even, I don't know. She's black and female, so that gives her she 's got lots of intersectionality points although she was um, bound, and, she was
0: she was bounced from the Atlanta Police yes, Department she before she got the job in Memphis, which is interesting
6: well that's classic, you know that is exactly what 's going on now we've had this push for diversity hiring and policing for decades, and what it has usually entailed is getting rid of criminal background checks i 'm not saying in the case of this police chief but for the rank and file and lowering uh academic skills and and education requirements and what it inevitably leads to are corruption and and uh force problems whether it's in Philadelphia or Los Angeles or the New York Police Department's 30th precinct in the in the early 1990s the so-called dirty 30 Miami had huge corruption problems after consent decrees mandating diversity hand- hiring so we should be colorblind and and maintain high standards. But what we really need and what we're not going to get, I mean, this, this incident is going to result in pressure for more diversity training, more cultural competence, implicit bias training. And instead, what officers are desperate for is hands-on, re- realistic, tactical training and training in de-escalation, how to control their stress. That is something that is extremely unrecognized in sort of public circles about about policing, but they need help in in managing their emotions in these what seem to be high-stress uh, situations so that they can slow down, think more carefully, and make sure that they're following their tactical training. But as I say, even that is, is inadequate at this point.
0: You know, it's interesting. Uh, We got this uh, when we were talking about it last week. We got an email from a former Chicago Police Department officer and trainer. Uh, His name is Tom Klein. I spent 54 years with Chicago Police Department, 30 as a sworn officer, and 24 as a trainer at Chicago Police, Chicago's Police Academy. I was canceled the last five years of my career because I was trying to teach officers how to think for themselves and work by a set of standards that could not be compromised. I was exiled, given uh, to an office, given nothing to do for five years. Um, for a long time, uh, the administration has not wanted officers who can think for themselves they want people who follow orders unquestionably and um, that turns out to be a problem because you have people that are not able to I, I, I you know I would just surmise be resilient in a situation that you know occurs that no one could have predicted i mean you 're going to be thrown in situations that can 't all be game planned, so you have to have sort of a a set of policies, procedures, but also uh, sort of right, m- trained mind to read and react appropriately in the moment, and that doesn't seem to be what's happening, at least according to this one longtime CPD in Chicago, for example.
6: Yeah, I don't really know what he's referring to. Uh, there may be a certain amount of self-exculpation there, and again, I, I don't know. Yeah, right. I, I don't know what it would mean to teach officers to think for themselves and why that would be a threat. But all I can say is what they do need, you know, once, once they come on the force, there are these negligible uh, continuing education and service requirements and you know, you go to the range and you fire a gun a few times to qualify. But what, what you need and the ideal is the NYPD, for example, the New York Police Department has a entire village that's been created or streetscape where they can work on taking cover you know, calling for backup, making sure that you're not exposed in a situation where you feel compelled to escalate your use of force and and have to make very split second decisions about shoot, don't shoot and you know just uh, to p- return to the point about the the absolute uh, negative effects of diversity hiring, the Obama administration did a voluntary Uh, study of the Philadelphia Police Department and found that black and Hispanic officers were more likely than white officers to shoot a black suspect thinking that a cell phone, say, or a can of Coke was a gun. Uh, That's known as threat misperception. So what will probably, even though these five officers were black, you can be sure that we're going to hear That we need more diversity hiring and and that may just create a vicious cycle uh we're also going to have a massive attack on proactive policing these uh specialized units to try and get guns off the street which are valid it's a valid concept they will now be disbanded car stops will be disbanded even though the law-abiding residents of high crime minority neighborhoods are desperate for more more traffic control i mean one of the reasons that This unit was created was the reckless driving in Memphis. And and reckless driving is highest in high crime minority neighborhoods. The federal government has an entire program out of the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration based on what it calls the nexus or Lexus of crashes and crime. Uh, And so when you back off on traffic stops, you not only are putting lives at risk because people are driving like maniacs past schools and through red lights and going the wrong direction, which may be what was going on with Nichols, but you're also losing an opportunity to find people that are are on you know outstanding warrants for gun crimes, uh, robberies and whatnot that a car stop allows you to find out.
0: Well, right, and uh, I mean, we we just had data we talked about a bit earlier in the show out in Chicago for last year, and the arrest rates for violent crimes, sort of in total, if you categorize them based more or less Class X felonies, was like five percent. There were only two crimes where they were in double digits with the number, the percentage of arrests for com- crimes committed, uh, homicides, which was twenty eight percent, and um, uh, assaults, which was like seventeen percent. Everything else is single digits, including carjackings, of which we had about 1,800 last year. So, um, you know, uh, you understand why people don't feel safe because they're not, and then they use this vicious circle uh, that produces the lack of safety. Police can't do those stops, can't give chase, can't do their jobs. They have no civilian backing. They're... uh, Turnstile justice for the same people—they're arresting and re-arresting and putting on electronic monitoring, committing on crimes other than electronic monitoring. You just have systems that are just not serious about public safety, all the rhetoric notwithstanding.
6: Yes, and again, the any instance of of abuse of excessive force is terrible, and we should have a higher standard for the police. They're the government. Uh, And so, you know, we're right to be outraged when one life is unnecessarily lost uh, by police brutality or or excessive force. That is a legitimate standard to have. But let's be realistic. Let's be realistic. The threat to the black community is black criminals. 10,000 blacks were killed in homicide in in 2020 due to the George Floyd crime increase. That's 3,000 more than all white and Hispanic Victims combined, even though blacks are only 13% of the national population, and they're being killed by other blacks. And when the police back off, as they have in Chicago, this is another iteration of the Ferguson effect, which I talked about, but now it's even worse with the George Floyd effect. When cops say, forget it, I'm not going to make those proactive stops, those discretionary investigations, uh, you know, to see if, if that guy's standing on a corner looking like he's hitching up its waistband as if he has that gun is in fact armed i'm just going to drive on by more black lives are lost so this narrative that biden joe president joe biden perpetrates that everyday blacks should be are are legitimately in fear of their lives when they step outside from a cop that is complete nonsense in in 2022 there were seven allegedly unarmed blacks killed by the police seven out of probably 10,000 another 10,000 homicide victims a population of 44 million and 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 allegedly because the Washington post defines unarmed very very uh, broadly it turns out that a police officer is 400 times as likely to be killed by a black male as an unarmed black is to be killed by a police officer so If the left always says policing is so safe, you know, the the right exaggerates how dangerous it is to make a car stop, and this is really a really safe profession. If it's safe to be a police officer, then it's 400 times safer to be an unarmed black person vis-a-vis a a police officer. So the, the narrative is completely backwards.
0: She is Heather McDonald, Thomas W. Smith Fellow at the Manhattan Institute, author of The War on Cops, as well as The Diversity Delusion. Heather, thanks as always. Appreciate it.
5: Thank you, Dan and Amy. Thank you. And she joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. This
18: is
1: The Morning Show. More Chicago radio listeners are choosing. This is Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560, The Answer. If you're looking for the latest news, insight into what it means, and the sharpest opinion, there's only one station in Chicago where you can turn, and it's this one. We're AM560,
17: the answer. This could use a brand new coat. That's not allowed, I'd warn you don't. That guy is crapping on the ground happens wait how's that even allowed because you're living in a clown world a cool to pull your pants on down a world there's only one you can paint brown world you'll never guess which one in clown world the cost of rent is getting dear. we should build our new neighborhood here zoning forbids new housing builds we were actually just going to throw up some tents and, you know, do some heroin. Well, that's acceptable in Clown World. Hey can't let children walk downtown world. They're playing hopscotch look around world. They're avoiding needles. Oh, it's okay in Clown World. He saved that disabled lady. Risked his like to save two babies. And to his valor, we're in debt. Wait. Have you had your booster yet? Well, I've had COVID and I had an adverse. skin for a new job and clown <laughs> the world. I risk your life so they don't drown world. A down is up and up.
0: Uh, from the fertile mind of Remy over at uh, Reason.com. Love the Remy parody songs. They're yeah, so good. good so well written and performed. <laughs> uh, all, part of Clown World. Yeah. Perfect intro for our next topic and our next guest. The Fed. The Fed Reserve, the bank, is the bank that's charged with uh, combating inflation and sticking a soft landing to make sure we don't go in recession. And that bank, if it were a private bank, would be insolvent. Clown world. For more on the topic, we're pleased to be joined by Judge Glock, contributing editor City Journal, author of The Dead Pledge, The Origins of the Mortgage Market and Federal Bailouts, 1913 to 1939. Judge Glock, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it.
20: Thanks for having me on.
0: And so um, this clown world where the Fed is going to, Save the largest, uh, the world's largest economy, from itself. Um, uh, How exactly is it going? When we're asking ourselves questions like, "Is the creation of 517 thousand new jobs in January is that good news or bad news?" We don't know.
20: (laughs) Uh, Well, well, on its own, that's good news. But of course, as as your listeners probably know, uh, uh, a lot of how the markets react and how other people react depends on how the Fed reads that news. And if the Fed reads that news as the economy is going too hot or that there's still inflationary pressures, that could therefore ironically be bad news and they could uh, tamp the brakes down more and uh, try to uh, fight inflation more with higher interest rates. Uh, But uh, so far, at least, they've had some success reducing inflation. Uh, But as I described in the piece, uh, that also has a lot of costs for uh, the Federal Reserve itself.
0: Well, we talked about this a little bit last week with our friend Alex Pollack as a former banker and uh, as well as government regulator. And he basically is just detailing, as you did in your piece, uh, somewhat the uh, precarious financial condition the Fed itself is in. Now, it doesn't matter much to the Fed because they can print money, Uh, but it does matter to the larger economy that is so dependent on Fed policy.
20: Absolutely. And so one, as your your previous guest uh, mentioned, that it doesn't seem to have a big effect in the Federal Reserve itself, even if it's, quote unquote, losing money. And it is every month. Uh, it's paying more money out than it's taking in. Uh, there are other costs. Now, one is that the taxpayer doesn't get the, the Fed income. For a long time, the Federal Reserve was giving up to $100 billion a year to the, the U.S. Treasury. That was a, a nice uh, pick-me-up for the U.S. Congress. They didn't have to tax that money from the taxpayers. Uh, now that is gone. The Fed is losing money and won't be giving money to the, uh, the taxpayers for quite a while, maybe for another uh, decade or so. So the other problem, of course, though, is that uh, the high inflation and high interest rates are both uh, devastating a lot of uh, economic activity in America it's driving wages down. Uh, it's making businesses that have to raise money for long term it's very difficult for them to raise those funds. And there's no sign that that's going to stop any time in the near future.
5: But Biden keeps saying wages are up. Things are looking good. So is that just another mm-hmm. Biden lie?
20: Well, it's wages are up if you're just looking at your nominal wages. If you're looking at your the number of... Uh, pure just the pure numbers on your paycheck yeah those numbers have gone up uh, over the past year and a half or so the problem is inflation has gone up even more uh so depending on how you look at uh, for a while americans real wages were down for about by about three percent over a year about the same amount they were down actually in the great uh, recession of 2008 uh inflation has dipped a little bit since then and wages have continued to to go up so now it's about breaking even, but still, anyone who claims that by looking at the, just the raw numbers uh, that wages are, are going up quickly is, is definitely misleading you. If anything, they're going down.
0: You've got uh, some of the the big shooters on Wall Street from Morgan Stanley and Goldman saying, "Well, uh, we, we good a uh, good likelihood still maybe an even money bet will." Be in recession before the year's end, but good likelihood that we will not be in Q1 or Q2. Do you do you share that uh, short term optimism?
20: Well, it it will it will be almost one hundred percent dependent on what the Federal Reserve does. Whether or not America enters or, or exits or or avoids a recession is pretty much up to the Federal Reserve. Now they are going to follow the the signs, hopefully. Whether that means the amount of uh, how fast wages are going up, how fast prices are going up, uh, how robust the economy looks. Uh, But it seems that many people, the Federal Reserve, understand that they have to squelch inflation now. Otherwise, you could face something like we saw in the 1970s, which is over a decade plus of uh, inflation rates of five to 10 to 12 percent. And nobody wants that. So, The Federal Reserve is basically going to keep looking at those numbers, and if they feel that inflation is not coming down fast enough, and it looks like uh, although it's coming down, it's not coming down very fast, that uh, they're going to have to keep tamping on the brakes and increasing interest rates, and that's going to make a recession more likely.
0: Is there anything that you see in addition to persistent uh, inflation, anything you see in the horizon with all this manipulation of the economy by these central bankers in particular? Uh, any sort of contagion you see on the horizon that people aren't talking about that they should be cognizant of in, in the labor market or the housing market or debt markets?
20: Well, it, it's, we do face the real danger that we're going to have uh, another sad effect of, of the 1970s, which was the stop-go economy, which is that inflation ramped up, the Fed uh, hit the brakes very hard, increased interest rates. The economy fell into recession, and then the Fed went too fast in the other direction uh, and uh, dropped rates too quickly, leading to inflation uh, very rapidly again. And that that kind of happened over and over again in that time. And there seems to be some danger of that, where the Fed could allow inflation to explode during the pandemic, uh, maybe tamp it down now. It's not operating according to any real consistent rule that we can see, and that's a real danger right now. What you want the Federal Reserve to do, is operate under a consistent rule where everyone knows what to expect they know what's going to happen month to month and they know what the sort of interest rates are going to be dependent on what inflation in the economy looks like now we're all kind of stuck reading tea leaves and seeing what jerome powell says month to month about uh how the inflation is looking and that's a real danger the yeah, other so, danger of course is that yeah go ahead
0: no go ahead
5: now, what's the other danger well,
20: the other danger, of course, is is that the Federal Reserve is getting involved in a lot more things it didn't used to be involved in. Now, before, in the 1970s, it was basically just worry about the economy and inflation. Those are pretty much its only two jobs. And now it's getting involved in things like, well, we have to worry about climate change. Now we have to worry about inequity and inequality in the American system. And now we're also just getting, they're getting more and more involved in different markets. Before, they used to just be buying U.S. Treasury bonds. And now Uh, During the pandemic, they started buying uh, corporate debts. They started buying junk bonds. They started buying municipal bonds. And that's a real danger to the sort of stability of the economy, too, And that you don't want a politicized uh, government institution deciding sort of where credit goes and doesn't go. And that's uh, something that they're getting increasingly involved in, which is a real danger.
0: Well, if uh, if the Fed doesn't buy Illinois bonds, who will? Uh, that's the, the <laughs> conundrum. Um, yeah, so we'll we'll uh, be excited to see which mistakes we choose to repeat. Uh, Judge Glock, contributing editor, of City Journal, author of *The Dead Pledge: The Origins of the Mortgage Market and Federal Bailouts, 1913 to 1939*. Judge Glock, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it.
20: Thanks so much for having me.
5: Thank you, and he joined us on our Turnkey Pro Answer Line. Listen to Dan
1: and Amy on your smartphone. Download the AM560 mobile app today at 560theanswer.com slash mobile.
0: Thanks for listening to Chicago's Morning Answer podcast sponsored by Signature Bank. Signature Bank takes pride in helping customers grow their business and provide unmatched banking expertise, custom financial solutions, and the industry's best technology. So whether you're a business looking for a deposit relationship or needs a ready source of financing, Signature Bank is the right bank for you. Call today at 773-467-5600 to hear how Signature Bank can help your business grow and thrive. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender.